Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. This is a fun and new one that I get to have Donna Hood on Bluebells Forever, who is not a Bluebell herself, but she's doing some really wonderful things to promote and esteem the showgirl that is in that along that Bluebell line of why some of us like, why do they call this a showgirl and that a showgirl when we, we all can def- define it differently. But I saw your Instagram. I don't know if you follow me or I followed you because the overlap is wonderful. And I kept seeing these videos that were so classy and the girls, and this is something I've been, when I'm working with dancers doing showgirl classes, it's the face isn't just your regular smile. There is something of this elegance and regal and almost unattainable goddess that I saw in your videos. And I'm like, who is this? Where is she? How can I find out more? So I did reach out because some of the fun of doing these is I love releasing the videos and photos because we all love looking at those things that there's not much of it out there. So we had a little weird thing out there, schedule overlap. So we, we just dove in without much pre anything. So this will be all new information to me too. So welcome, Donna. Hi, thanks for having me. So where are you located? I am located in Los Angeles, California. Is that, did you grow up dancing there? Is that your... Houston, Texas. How did you end up in LA? Yeah, I moved to LA about 11 years ago now. So been, been, I've been here a while and I don't plan on leaving. So (laughs) what brought you there? Cause I know a lot, like I have a studio in Seattle. A lot of people go to LA cause they want to you know work with different artists. Some go for companies, but a lot of it's more of that commercial dance that gets people to LA in the first place. Yeah. To make a long, a very long story short, um, I, I've danced my whole life doing, you know, ballet, tap, jazz, all, all the goods. Um, and then I worked at a dance studio, like after college. Um, cause I did, I actually did, uh, a Kilgore college rangerettes, which is a Texas drill dance team, more of like a precision dance, but it's definitely, um, definitely more dance based and field precision dancing, um, like a high kick team. Yeah. Um, a very historic team too in Texas. So um, I definitely got my love for, you know, high kicks and team dance from that. Um, And then I worked at a dance studio in Houston and then auditioned through that dance studio, auditioned for America's Best Dance Crew, which was a really popular TV show. (laughs) Uh, And I was on season two. So once I did that, Uh, I had a lot of people kind of saying, Hey, you should think about moving to LA. And that's something that I always found like to be unobtainable. I was like, there's no way I could ever do that. I'm just from this little small town outside of Houston. And, uh, once this happened, I was like, you know what? I worked like two or three jobs, saved up some money, found a roommate, and then we packed our stuff and moved to LA. And I've been here ever since. Wow. Wow. We had a dance uh, group. A few of them were from my studio, Heavy Impact. I think they might've been season two as well. Maybe not. I have to do my history and maybe we'll have to post that too. So you went for yeah. a commercial. So how, how did you get to the, the like kind of Vegas Parisian showgirl thing? Because we, a lot of us are sad because it's kind of died away. And at my studio, I'm always posting pictures. They are finally after a year and a half paying attention, like, wait, what, what is this whole thing of the Lido or Vegas? Like they, they missed that generation's missed all that history. And I think it's important. 
because it, a cabaret affects so many things that they're doing now. But for you, like, what was that? Was it a gradual thing or a light bulb? It was bulb? a gradual thing because I'll, I'll uh, try to make this a short story. <laughs> um, when I moved to LA, that's when I believe that uh, there was a really popular burlesque club called 40 Dude kind of just made its way out the door, maybe like a few years before I got to LA. So when I got to LA, I noticed that burlesque was very popular when I got to LA and I didn't, had never done it. Um, I just heard of it. And of course, you know, there was that movie that Christina Aguilera did, which isn't real burlesque, but it was beautiful and it kind of had that idea. So it was very popular. Um, so I thought to myself, uh, you know, when I moved to LA, I noticed that, you know, I would go to these auditions and I would stand in a line of 600 people for a four, they're going to pick four people out of 600. And, you know, you come from a city where you're one of the best dancers and then you show up to LA, that's where everybody's coming from. Mm. So now it's all best dancers fighting for very few jobs. So I knew, um, after one really hard audition that I had, I had to take a look at myself and go, okay, what is it that makes me different? because that's what's going to make me stand out. And that's what's going to get me booked all the time. So I always loved the glamour and, you know, all of the, I was danced and I always loved like getting my new dance costumes, sparkly things and all of that. I was super always into that. So, um, I started seeing all these like burlesque jobs. And one of the first jobs that I actually got was actually through my agent. And he, uh, he said, do you want to audition for Dita Von Teese's tour? And so Dita was looking for her air quotes bondage, um, which was the girls that kind of, you know, helped her out of difficult costuming or helped her pick things up, you know, like, and then did a little bit of choreography in her numbers. Um, She now has guys that fill that role, but at the time it was females. So I ended up booking it. Um, And so I kind of got like a crash course into like the best of the best burlesque right out the gate when I got to LA. So um, I didn't actually perform burlesque in the show, but I got to see some of the best out there doing it. So um, I was quickly, I quickly fell in love with it. Um, And I was doing that for a really long time. And then uh, I kind of started branching out on my own, just in the city at different places and clubs and trying to kind of just get my feet wet in the burlesque world. And so the further I went along with that, that's kind of, where I started to get my place in the world in LA was that I was this, you know, burlesque performer. And there weren't a lot of people like me because burlesque is not not necessarily about being the best dancer. Um, I think that burlesque is all about like kind of what you bring to the table, whether it's your charisma, your costume making, whatever it is that you bring to the table, mine was professional dance. So I I, I quickly started kind of making traction there. Um, and then, um, I started my own show, which is called tease if you please, which since COVID actually hasn't been open, but the show is about eight years old. Um, and it was running for a while. It was running weekly and then we did bi-weekly and then we were doing monthly. And then I moved into doing a big theater show. So, um, I think the biggest theater we had done was maybe about 11 to 1200 seats, Um, And we were doing these big numbers where like the burlesque performer would be in the middle as like the star performer. And then it would have the dancers, whether it was guys or girls behind kind of like, uh, like backup dancers almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, that was really fun and we were loving that. And then I got the opportunity to choreograph for a wedding 
where they wanted, they kind of wanted a Gatsby theme uh, performance, but they wanted all girls more of like a chorus line feel. So once we did that, uh, you know, we put it online and it, things just blew up from there. Like it was, everybody wanted us to do the group numbers. And that's kind of where I came from anyway, before the Berlin. So um, I think I always, I noticed that, you know, Jubilee wasn't around anymore. Um, and when I would go to Paris, I saw Moulin Rouge. I've seen Crazy Horse, which that's not traditional showgirl, but the Moulin Rouge was something that was beautiful. And then I loved Jubilee. So that was something that made me kind of sad. I was like, how is it, how is this possible? This art form is not around in the United States. I mean, you can definitely go see it, you know, in Europe a little bit more like the Lido and Mulan and all of those, but in in America, it was gone. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I felt I, I wanted to be a part of something that you know, cause it's a very saturated market being here in LA with dance and everything. And, and especially burlesque, like once I started doing the show, more of these bigger burlesque shows started popping up. So I'm constantly trying to stay ahead of the curve. What can I do to evolve from this, from this one spot that I'm in right now and never stay complacent. You've got to keep finding a way to keep it moving. And, uh, I don't know. There's just always been something super magical that I just absolutely love about showgirls. Just this alluring, elegant, beautiful woman, like, oof. And I, I just was never tall enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, uh, I had kind of dived into uh, making costumes, which was not something that I ever really saw myself doing. I didn't have any formal training. Um, it was just something that I really wanted to do. So I thought to myself, well, if I, once COVID happened and kind of closed the show for a while, it kind of gave me this time to really look at what I was going to do once things opened back up. And that's when I made the change. I was like, I love the burlesque thing, but now so many people are doing shows that look, you know, a lot like what I was doing. So um, I wanted to see what I could do differently. And so I thought about the whole showgirl thing and what a shame it was to not have that around anymore. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to be the one that brings this back as like in my, in, in LA. Yeah. Um, and I want that to, to travel out even more. I just wanted to be the one that really respected and brought back the art form. Cause it's so sad to, to see that, that that's not happening. So even during COVID, I went and I visited um, the Las the Las Vegas showgirl museum. Yeah. Grants. And, yeah. Yes. And so I, four hours there listening to stories, looking at all the costumes. And I just, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. Like, I, I, I really want to be a part of bringing this art form back and, you know, really respecting it. Cause I, like I said, you know, we talked about this even before the recording that, you know, um, it's, there's people out there that portray the whole showgirl thing, but they don't, they don't, um, how, how do you say, uh, Tacky? They're not. No. It's a, okay. <laughs> That's a little harsh, but yeah. They're not, you know, respecting the art form, like the classic traditional showgirl. And so I really made sure that not only did I go and visit the museum, I also girls that are here living in America, a couple are actually dancing with me that have danced with the Moulin Rouge for a long time. 
And then another girl that danced with Jubilee and Mulan, I sat down with all of them and kind of asked them like, what is it that bugs you when people try to portray the showgirl thing? What can I do to avoid these things? So, um, I really made sure that I listened to all the things that they just were like, oh, this bugs me, that bugs me. And then even though I'm a choreographer, when it came to having a traditional classic showgirl routine, I would hire these girls to choreograph and teach our team. So then that way I made sure that we're not trying to make up a showgirl routine when it's not actually the way it should be done. So- I have a question uh, before, actually this is fascinating. What were some of the things that bothered them? Because I know like a lot of us will resonate because oh, it's in. Like, oh, I hate it when they wear the headpieces and they wear their hair down. Or I hate it when, you know, there's girls who I even heard, you know, when burlesque girls call themselves showgirls, that even bugs them. So I, cause I know, I think people just think, oh, I'm in a show and I'm a girl. So I'm a showgirl. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting oh. even going back because. I was in a show where I was a tall nude, which meant kind of some of the numbers were showgirls and some we were dancing hard. So if you said showgirl, the assumption in the eighties was that you weren't dancing. There was dancers ah. and showgirls. So we kind of always had to justify, but no, we're dancing. We're only wearing the feathers for part. And it's over the decades. It's interesting of how all of us have felt like, how do we claim this name without it being like, you're not really dancing or you're a stripper or yeah. It's just like the name keeps changing with the decades and that awful movie that came oh, out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not it. it. We're not cutting each other up for, for the lead role. So yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. I, my dance studio is right across from a strip club and it says showgirls. And I like when it says live showgirls, because like, what's the option? Are there like dead showgirls? Like, right. but when I teach a showgirl class and people take it and they go, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. This feels so empowering. And so that's right. the, some of the, we talk about some of the different um, values and adjectives that go along with it. And I love that you didn't just assume that you did your homework because I feel like that's very honoring for the girls in the show and also the way you represent, because what I've seen of your videos, it's so classy. And I love the Gatsby thing too, because I want to ask more if that's current or if that was pre-COVID because that's, it looks like the most elegant party that I would love to be invited to. So it's not, it's not a stage that you sit down necessarily. It's more experiential thing or like, what is the so tease if you please is actually a show that you sit down and watch like that is okay. an show. So like I said, that was in the beginning, a more of a, it started as just a burlesque show. So it was just burlesque soloist one after another performing a solo and okay. then started migrating into, okay, now it's a burlesque performer that has dancers that are kind of the, her supporting, you know, performers behind him or her. Um, and then it's like, then I was like, okay, now we're going to move into a theater because I'm tired of doing the club spaces. I want something more elegant. I want something that is an event that people get really dressed up for. And they're super excited (laughs) that. And then once we started doing that, then an, uh, an event planner, her name is Kat Manassi. She, if you visit her Instagram page, wow. Like the most stunning events out there, like beautiful, beautiful. So she gave me the space. She had a, a Gatsby wedding that was happening on the 4th of July. And this was pre-COVID. And it was just absolutely stunning. They built out a beautiful stage with like the bulb stairs and like pencil from the ceilings and just like all the things. So we had the opportunity to do that. And once we did that, then we kind of broke into the event world where, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you, you dance at weddings. What do you do at the wedding? And so I, you know, it, it's one of those things where 
wedding entertainment wasn't, I don't think it was as popular at the time, but once we started doing that, it kind of broke the seal. And now we're, that's a lot of what we're doing is performing at really high end weddings or really big birthdays, you know, corporate events, different things like that. So, so yeah, it was, it was, there is the both. So we have right. the show, have the events. So I've actually, since COVID, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to switch the show over and I really want to focus more on the show girls. And then I'm not going to let the burlesque part go away. I'm definitely not like, I'll still have my main soloist that will go in between the showgirl acts and different things like that. But I really, really, really wanted to bring the showgirl thing into the show and that be more of the main focus. So COVID gave me the time, which time is something I don't see a lot of these days. So um, I had the time to spend every waking moment to wake up and work on costumes all day long. And that's all I was doing. Wow. Well, it shows. So, and I'm still doing it. So I had like, you know, a bunch of new numbers that I wanted to bring into the show. And I wanted to at least have eight to 10 girls in every number because the theater stage that I have them on, that's what would fit on there perfectly. So um, I've, I've been doing that and I'm pretty much to the point where I want to open the show back up next year. I don't have a definite date yet but it will be next year that you will be able to come and at a beautiful theater and watch the show. So uh, it's been really great because we've gotten lots of, all the new numbers have been taught and been getting lots of good practice in and the costumes are being finished. So, so yeah, next year is going to be a great year because people are going to get to come and see it. Even if you're not at a private event, because that's the thing is right now when we do events, not you can't just go to it you have to be it has to be something you've been invited to so um next year definitely everybody can look out on our uh, tease productions website um this show will go back up for sale oh my gosh that's okay that's for things coming back like when the lido opened i've been interviewing a lot of the current cast and it's like it's going to it's not it's going to it's not and like they're all over the place so to fly back to paris for something that may or may not go it just feels like that time is putting the brakes and the gas pedal on at the same time. Yeah. So you're ready to go. So once it feels like the theater is safe to open and the dance for the dancers, you guys are, you're good to go. You yeah. don't have to like, okay, now we start rehearsals and now we try to get everything going. Yeah. I just didn't feel like, see, I'm just, I'm just the kind of person that when I want something to get done, I want it done right. And it is not worth rushing. So that's why I told everybody we get calls multiple calls and emails every day. When are you opening? Why isn't it happening? All these different things. It was running consistently for so long. Um, but I just, with COVID and the mandates here and different things, I just didn't feel like rushing it because it was too much of a risk. Um, especially because the theater size, you know, it's just, it's just not worth the risk. So I just right. wanted and give us more time to get the cost. Cause I really wanted everything to be super highly detailed. Like of these jackets that I've made or like I like a tuxedo jacket just one jacket took 10 hours <laughs> so oh my I really, gosh. Like, they're like heavily heavily detailed if you visit uh either team page or even my personal page um some of these corsets that I make like hundreds of hours go into these teeny tiny crystals being hand placed on everything and so some of the showgirl costumes are not as heavy as some of that but they are there are some that are so uh 
So I just really wanted to make something special. So I just didn't feel like rushing it was the move. So I've really been enjoying the journey of making sure that when people come, it is a really special moment, especially anyone who's ever been a showgirl can come and see this and see the classic being honored, but also taking showgirls into the future as well. Yes. That's been a big discussion too, because sometimes people like, it shouldn't change. And like, well, everything's changed. Cabaret changed all through. So if we did, we were still doing the same thing from the fifties, it'd be like done. It needs to, it needs to progress. And it also needs to not throw away the beauty that got it there. That's why I think the classiness of yours looks like it's, it's moving things forward too, because we do, you know, content, more contemporary music instead of like, we can't, we can't always just do Gershwin. And that's what I've tried to do is I'm, I, I, I have like, there's some numbers that are like extremely classic. Like we have the one that with the white fe- ostrich, fe- the armband, you know, like that one is very classic. And then we'll have some that maybe even fuse burlesque and a showgirl kind of feel into it. So we, we do sometimes do a little bit of a fusion when it comes to the choreography and music but then there's some that are very traditional. So I think that that's one of those, like, you know, honoring the past, celebrating the future. And I think that that's important to be able to not lose the traditions, but also be able to relate it to the new world. So, um, so that's what I really wanted to do with these coming up in the future was to really be able to fuse the two. Do you make your headdresses too? Cause that, that's a totally different art form of balance. And I've looked at pre-made ones and I bought some leftover ones and I've got a couple nice ones, but most of them are like, these are just for rehearsals because there's definitely an art because you don't want the girls to tip over and you it can't break their neck, but it also doesn't, you don't want to look, cause I've seen some, like, looks like someone just stuck some peacock feathers or something yeah, <laughs> in a so- skull cap, but it's like, no, there's a, there's, those are hard. Yeah, they are like, you know, um, like, again, I have nobody showing me what to do. So it's been one of those things that it's kind of a trial and error for me. And then on top of that, I want the girls to also feel comfortable enough to move in them. So that's, that's a tricky balance too, because I know with some, you know, I think like having the girls that have actually performed in those costumes before, you know, in Paris, like asking them, like, how does this feel? Is this usually how it feels? What can we do to make this more comfortable on you? So I've been kind of working through that because I, I didn't take a headpiece class or anything <laughs> like that. I just am kind of like, wow, this this picture really inspires me. I would love to kind of maybe looks like this. And then another photo, I kind of like this too and marry the two. So I'm just doing the very best that I possibly can. <laughs> well, it's really very, very well done. It's very classy and looks very professional. Thanks. And I'm running into this, like I'm bringing my Parisian cabaret show. We stopped because of COVID. We have the date for March, but who knows? But I picked yep. Century Ballroom in Seattle because it's a very classy place. The same thing you said, I want people to dress up. I want them not to have that thing when you walk into the theater and face forward and, you, and it's like expectation, like the, how, you, how you present the location and the vibe. But also what I was running up against is pe- people don't know what these shows are. And they have no imagination when you're like, I love to bring this here. And they go burlesque. You're like, well, not quite. So having good video has helped so much. Like I have a videographer so that we can do more shows because until you have that, they like, I don't understand what you're trying to say. Right. As yeah. soon as you see the classy quality, like I saw on yours, I'm like, I'm intrigued. And I know I'm going to fly all the way to LA because I want to see it. But it is like representing yourself, how you're saying it represents on the, with the costumes, how classy your dancers are, because you can put beautiful costumes on really wonderfully trained dancers, but they don't have that extra that you have to have 
to pull off wearing that many rhinestones and you can't just do your competition smile. <laughs> you have to have that extra pizzazz to match the glamour of that. And I saw that in those short little clips and like, okay, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think that that's, it's really great to also have the few girls that we've had that have actually had that experience to kind of school these other girls, because it is, it is its own art form. And that's something that even though you're a professional dancer, that doesn't mean that you're going to have that right away. So to, to have somebody kind of be able to instruct them on this is, this is actually the way it's supposed to be done. This is the way you're supposed to hold your body. Your hips are supposed to figure eight. This is the way your feet need to be facing. There's different things that, you know, I think have been faked a lot when it comes to mm-hmm. mimicking the bur- not burlesque, but mimicking the showgirl. So that's something that I just was absolutely not okay with. I was like, I have to make sure that if I'm going to put this out there, that it has to be correct. Oh, I, I so love this. Yeah. yeah. It really feels like this is because there's not much of it left to have it taken down a different road and path and have it go away as opposed to like, there are people that pass it on. It's important. Um, I hope that people check you out and that people are in LA or maybe do a road trip down there. So how can we find you like on your Instagram, your website, can you give us all your information of how to follow you and support you and and get excited for this when we can finally go see it? Yes. So I think that the absolute fastest and best way to see all of the up-to-date things that we're doing is just at tease productions. So that is our Instagram handle. My personal is just at miss Donna hood. Our website is teaseproduct.com. And then those things will link also to um, Tease If You Please. And then we also have another show with a live band that's also burlesque called The Scarlet Hour. All of that stuff will be up and running, you know, next year. But I'm just, I don't, like I said, I don't have a date yet. But when I see that everything is, you know, clear with all of this COVID stuff, then I will definitely be announcing that date on my Instagram. I will follow that. And then when it's time, I'll announce it on the Bluebells pages too, because we want to support each other in all these endeavors, because by doing the podcast, I found out all these things I didn't know. I thought it, all that was, was the lead on the Mulan and finding Bordeaux has a cabaret, like they're, they're still in existence. And so just knowing about it gives me encouragement, but also for dancers listening, like this, this can be an avenue for you. It's not just cruise ships. I mean, even those are going yeah. away. So I do know, I do love that there's there's more of this going on than a lot of us knew. So this is wonderful. And I send me every photo or I'll just take them. You could just tell me what yeah. to take. Cause I want to show how beautiful and glamorous your costumes. Awesome. Thank you, Donna. I, we, we made this work. It's amazing. Yeah. And how crazy <laughs> the schedules are. Yes, it does. Wild. <laughs> it does help that we're on the same coast because some of it's like, wait, you're 19 hours ahead. Yeah. Oh, so no. thank you. And then I will put all the links um, also in the notes. So awesome. Best to you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me.